and welcome along to episode 146 of the Jez Net Weekly Podcast, a totally free and independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is always 100% free. And as we all know by now, it's not just the podcast that we here have here at Jez Net, but if you head over to the website at www.jezznet.co.uk, you find a whole host of excellent content there as well, including uh, social media, some excellent articles, a history archive, and the very friendly discussion forum as well. So please do head over to the website and have a look if you've not done so already. Uh, it's just gone half past nine on uh, Sunday the 22nd of August. If you're joining us live this evening, then thank you very, very much for giving up your Sunday night to come and, and join us on the show. Please do leave us your questions, your comments there on the YouTube stream. We've got Frankie patrolling and marshalling that and we'll get to as many of them as we can. As always, the pod will be available for download on a Monday morning and that's wherever you get your podcasts from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher and also on Spotify. Um, if you've never downloaded the show before, then maybe give us a wee subscribe and a little like and a comment as well as it really does help the show to grow. Uh, this evening, what we're going to be doing on the show is looking back at today's game against Ross County up in Dingwall. Um, we'll also take a, a, a wee look ahead to Alashkert's uh, return leg out in Armenia that's coming up this week and a little run over the state of the squad and the transfer activity that we've had so far. My name's Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your host this afternoon. Uh, and joining me, we've got two excellent guests. First of all, backed by extraordinarily popular demand, uh, it is the, the ever popular John McCallum. John, how are you this evening? I'm fine. I'm well, thanks. Yeah, popular demand. I think that means no one else was available at short notice. <laughs> but, um, no, no, certainly not. I couldn't possibly say so. Um, I think the, the last time that you and I did a show together, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that was just after we had scalped Real Madrid. Um, it's been quite a, a few weeks since then. Are you still feeling the same optimism that we all shared that Sunday evening? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the last time I was on. We were... Um, we were playing exhibitions for Real Madrid and um, you were doing shows from hotels and uh, was. life was very different. It was like 30 degrees in Glasgow and um, yeah, they yeah, are very different now, unfortunately, but uh, that's okay. I'm still fairly comfortable. Um, I've no panic yet. Don't panic. Don't panic. No, exactly. You're right. It was unseasonably warm that day and I had just uh, walked back from Ibrooks to the Ibis Hotel in Glasgow City Centre. 30 degree heat and my underwear have only just dried out from all the sweat that I've run out of it so um there's an image yeah there you go there you go uh, also joining us this evening it's a very warm welcome to the debutant on the show Gary Valentine Gary how are you I'm not bad thanks excellent not good are you excited to be making your, your debut this evening yeah yeah I'm glad I won today something good to talk about exactly exactly we've had people come on making their debuts after losses and after old firm scuddings and uh it's never easy so no you're very welcome yeah, thanks. Great. Uh, I think we might as well dive straight into this afternoon's game. Obviously, Rangers travel up to Dingwall. Um, a fairly comprehensive 4-2 victory. John, um, it was immediately obvious to me that we'd raised our game. We've had a few performances, um, certainly with Dundee United, with the two Malmo games, arguably even with the, the Alishkert home leg last week. Uh, fairly obvious that we'd raised our game and, and that the tempo was up, we were looking a little bit more fluid and a little bit more dynamic. Are we possibly starting to find that match sharpness that, that we've been that we've been missing so far this season? Yeah, perhaps. Um, I'd maybe take slight issue. I actually think we've started most games fairly well. Um, you know, I think, I think actually against Malmo in both games, we, we started well. Um, you know, we were on top. Um, particularly the game at, at Ibrox, we were on top and, and you know, half time, really, it was looking like uh, everything was going well. And, and I think the difference between those games and today is we were playing Ross County and Ross County aren't as good a team, frankly. Um, we got the two goals um, and again, looked like we were coasting. And then as we've done this season, we switch off. We just have a little period where we switch off. Um, but I think to get to the the kind of nub of your question, we looked a bit sharper. I thought our passing was a little crisper. I thought our movement was better. Um, things seem to be coming off that haven't been coming off in the last few games. Um, how much of that was down to the the opposition perhaps not being as good um, as some of the teams we've played? I mean, when we played them firmly, you know, again, a, a, a poorer team, we, we, we looked, it was a fairly comprehensive victory. Uh, I think today was a, a more comfortable victory than the score suggested um, and at times perhaps um, you know when it was 2-1 and um, 
and then three two, and you know, again, you're thinking, you know, this doesn't reflect the match I'm watching. So sharpness coming back, I think that's something that's going to happen, um, you know, as we get into the season. But I actually feel that we've actually started. We started today in the same manner we started most of our games. Um, today it just kind of came off. Yeah, and and I guess come off it did. Uh, a really impressive goal from from Joe Aribo, John. How impressed were you today with with what he brought to the team? Yeah, I thought this was it was a rebo of last season. Yeah, um, definitely his best game. Um, whether perhaps a mix of getting uh, sharper, um, a mix also of perhaps opposition. But I thought having Kamara back probably actually yeah. helps uh, Aribo. I think Kamara does the um, what was it they once described Duchamps as the water carrier. Um, you know, there's a bit of that in Kamara. Kamara does a lot of the unseen stuff. He, he closes people down. He, he takes away the space. And I think that allows players like Aribo to 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 flourish. You know, the creative players then to to actually come into the game a bit more. Yeah, you know, I suspect we all realise we were missing Kamara um, for a lot of the games so far this season, but perhaps maybe not quite as much uh, as we did until you see him playing today. Um, Aribo, his goal was beautiful. What a lovely goal! Um, yeah. His first touch as well, the way he just brought himself around the player, um, and the awareness and the ability to and the. the it's funny that you know. I, I don't. I'm assuming neither of you were actually at the game today. Apologies if I were, but um, it's a terrible, terrible camera angle at yeah. Ross County. It's just you feel like it's almost subterranean. You're watching it. Yeah, for the goal, it was a perfect camera angle. You really saw the bend on the shot. You saw the the the, the quality of that goal, um, which is ironic because every other aspect of the game, the, the, the pictures are just terrible. Um, you just you despair sometimes in Scottish football. But uh, beautiful goal. Uh, you know, Aribo had a good game. Um, booking aside, he almost had the perfect game. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it almost makes. I think you're absolutely right when you talk about Glenn Kamara, um, and, and we realise what we've been missing and. It really does um, make me kind of rue the the Malmo games um, and what could have been had had Glenn Kamara been available and not suspended for being the victim of racist abuse. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way for. Yeah. Gary, um, speaking of creativity in the middle of the park, we had four goals today from from four different goal scorers, um, and, and arguably maybe not so much last season, but in, in a couple of seasons preceding last year, arguably we've been a team that's relied too heavily on one man to score our goals. How important and how encouraging is it to see goals coming from from various different areas on the park? That's exactly what I I was going to say. Um, Before last season, it was Alfredo Morelos or nobody. So it's uh, such a good thing there's more goals round round the team. Yeah, it's it's vitally important. And Conor Goldson, Gary, gets the the, the second goal. it's become kind of a feature of his game, has it not? Of of these set piece deliveries coming in and and him rising highest or, or or breaking the offside trap. How important do you think it is for Conor Goldson to, to be getting these goals, but for James Tavenier and Borna Barisic or Calvin Bassey to be on form, providing that service and and putting the balls in the box? What to me because that's like the the main part of our game plan is crosses in for the fullbacks, and if you look at the last few games where I've not played great the crosses into the box have been poor. That's why we've no won these games. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there's a lot of discussion, I guess, Gary, about whether, you know, do you, do you drop, do you drop Tavernier? I mean, he, Gerard clearly has dropped Borna Barisic and has replaced him with Calvin Bassey. Do you think that the two deputies in the fullback areas, your Calvin Bassey's and your Nathan Patterson's, do they provide that same kind of quality output for the likes of whether it's Conor Goldson at a, a set piece or Alfredo Morelos to really get on these deliveries and attack them. Good debate. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. If it was me, I would always stick with my, my best players. I think at the moment are Tavani and Barisic. Um, although I think Bassi is there on merit. I think uh, he's he's like he's took the challenge that Gerard's gave. If you get your chance, and he's took it. So I think he, he's in there by merit. But um, I think Nathan Parts is maybe a bit too a bit too soon for him. As much as I love him. Yeah, yeah, we'll come on to Nathan Patterson in a bit more detail as well in a moment when we uh, talk about this this alleged bid that's coming from Everton. John, how about yourself? Um, do you kind of agree that Rangers are no longer a, a, a club that's over-reliant on Alfredo Morelos? And, and is today a good example of that? It's a good example in terms of who, the number of goals scored um, and being moved around the team. 
All I would say is I actually thought Morelos had a very, very good game today. Morelos held the ball up so well. Um, he linked up play. He was actually involved in, in a lot of our good work today. Um, he gave their defenders no peace. Um, you know, he was pulling people over. He, he, he kept his composure at all times. Um, I actually thought that was, you know, it's the best game I certainly this season from Morelos. I mean, um, I felt against Malmo uh, in the first half, Morelos looked like he was going to cause him all sorts of problems. Um, you know, he was, he, you really get the feeling Morelos was up for it. Obviously, he got the goal, um, but he was busy, you know, and then everyone fell away in the second half. And, and you know, we're not going to go over that again. But do I still feel we're reliant on him? I do to an extent. Um, I still think he is our best forward player. I don't think Eaton and I don't think Roof are the same type of player. I don't know enough about Sakala yet to know whether he could be, you know, I think there are similarities in Sakala seems to be a, a, a smaller guy, a mobile guy. He doesn't look to have the strength of, of Morelos. He doesn't look to have that, that, that side um, to him physically, but I haven't seen enough of him to know. Um, you know, he looks like a player who will play on the shoulder, who who will get you know two or three yards space because he's quick. Maybe a bit more like Defoe than um, than Morelos. So, uh, no, to be honest with you, I, I think we are still quite reliant on him. We're not necessarily reliant on him for goals now, but I think we're reliant on him for what he does that lets other players come in and, and create space. You know, wherever Morelos goes, he takes two defenders, and and that you know. What we, we what we did so well last season was you know let Morelos take defenders and, and look at midfielders and the wide players coming in then and 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 capitalising on that space Ross and mm, to be honest with you I, I don't think we've we've not got a, we've not got a light for light replacement you know if Morelos is out the team for any length of time we have to change our tactics mm-hmm. no I think you're absolutely right Gary we conceded two goals today and and I think I'm right in saying that that's the third time this season that we've conceded two or more goals in, in a match. And that's very, very unlike us. Um, there haven't been wholesale changes to our back line. There haven't been any changes to our back line from the, the, the back four that was so impressive and so resolute last season. Um, arguably, poor defending, poor concentration, certainly for the first goal. And also arguably for the, okay, the second goal was a penalty. And, and I don't think you can ascribe any blame to Calvin Bassey for giving away that penalty. But the way that the ball was given away or, or that Yanis Hadji loses his man in the middle of the park kind of gave rise to that opportunity. So arguably poor defending, poor concentration on, on, on both goals there. Does that make you nervous ahead of the week that we've got? Really, we can't afford to be conceding goals in Armenia on Thursday and uh, just a, a small matter of the old firm next week. And, and a word, yes, I'm worried about it. Um, what, what my worry is, is that I see mistakes this season that I saw in the first and second season and... They weren't there last year, so I'm hoping last year's not the one off. Um, we just always seem to have a, a brain fart in our defence. And uh, I think we've, you could probably count in one hand in the last four years how many goals we have lost due to the other team being better. And, and all the rest are like, it's, it's simple mistakes, whether it's not picking up a guy, losing the ball in the midfield, as you said today. Um, but Gerard did say that in his uh, post-match interview today, that they're working on it, and I really, really hope they get to the bottom of it because we can't go back to how we were the first and second season, because that's the reason we didn't win the league. Do you, what do you think could, could cause that? Because, like I say, these aren't different players. These are the same players that didn't concede any goals for was it the first eight games of last season. Um, the players haven't lost the ability to defend. So oh, where are these lapses coming from? I don't know. I, I think it's... It's too easy to say it's the fans coming back. I see a lot of people, even the media, try to make out that it's the, that the fans being back are, are causing us to maybe panic a bit. But uh, I laughed earlier um, after we conceded one of the goals. Uh, I think it was Hadji lost the ball and it went out for a throw or something, and the camera zoomed in on him. And I was like, he looks like he's panicked. And there was no need for Rangers to be panicked. We're controlling the game. We lost a really sloppy goal. But I, I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if. If he's rotating the defence too much when it, it shouldn't be. Um, as I said, the first and second season, they done it with Warrell, we done it with Macaulay, but then he done it last year as well. That's I, I, I don't know. It, it could be it could be the fact that just the team's no 
uh, clicked yet. Kind of, uh, Aribo didn't play a lot of games. Kamara's not played a lot of games. Ruth's not played a lot of games. I don't think Barisic has came back fit. So I don't know if it's just a case for no firing all cylinders yet. I'm hoping that's all it is. Yeah, and uh, whatever it is, I think this is the week that we that we need to get that sorted. Definitely. Same with yourself, Gary. Um, some really impressive performances today. We've mentioned Aribo, we've mentioned Morelos, we've mentioned Kamara, who I thought was excellent. Um, Ryan Kent, uh, whilst he didn't get his goal, it was a you know, very dynamic performance. Is there an argument to say that we should have brought these lads off a little bit earlier than they did? I think actually on Rangers TV, so Ian Ferguson today was making comments sort of saying, I'm surprised we've not made any substitutions yet. We've got a hell of a long trip to make on Thursday and then to come back and, and have Celtic at home next Sunday. Is there an argument to say these, these lads should have been brought off earlier to get more of a, a rest? Or was the game not safe enough to do that? I don't think it was safe enough, to be honest. Um, I don't think the bench was had enough strength in it as well. Scott Wright was probably... Uh, on the bench, you could have maybe came on for for Kent especially. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Possibly, but a problem I've got now is that we've got a a big squad and we signed new guys, and those guys don't seem fit or ready to come in. But I, I thought that uh, Janino would have maybe been on the bench today. He could have came on and got some some minutes. But when you looked at the bench, there wasn't much there that. I said they could come on. You brought in Arfield and Lundstrom. I don't think they were like for like replacements. So I don't know. Players are injured. Once players come back, maybe a bit easier to do that. Yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right, John. Uh, I think Gary was was absolutely spot on a few moments ago when when he mentioned that having fans back in the stadium is a kind of lazy excuse for maybe why we'd we'd be having these defensive issues or defensive lapses, but. What was the impact, do you think, of Rangers having travelling fans again today? Obviously, we didn't have any fans when we went away to Tanadice, but there was a very, very loud, very vocal presence of Rangers fans today in Dingwall. Do you think that that had a, a motivational impact on the players? Um, you like to think that the players don't require that, but I think it does have an effect. I've seen it have an effect. You know, I, I've been going to games long enough to see it have a a positive effect and have a negative effect on, on individual players and on teams. Um, I think the best thing about it was this sense of normality, this feeling of normality, of, of crowd noise, of, um, you know, that, that was great from, a, a, you know, I wasn't there and, and watching it on, um, well, watching it on, on the laptop, um, you know, it was uh, it was great to, to kind of have that feel about the place. It was great to see the flags, you know, there was flags there from the borders and people who travelled a fair distance um, to be at that match today. Um, you know, so that was great. I, I think, in my opinion, our away support is different from our home support. I think the away support is generally a more supportive support. Um, I think they tend to get behind the team more. I think the, the home support can be harder to please. Um, I think the expectation on the club at home is different from the expectation away. Um, and I think the players respond better to their away support. I think there's a more of a rapport. I think they appreciate their away support, the effort that people have made to be there. Um, and I, I think there tends to be a, a slightly better rapport with the away support um, than there is at home. Um, <laughs> Did it make a difference? Only the players can tell you that. I I suspect it did in that these are all players who grew up, became professionals playing in, in stadiums with an atmosphere. And, you know, for all Ross County have a small ground, um, you know, it, it, it created an atmosphere. There was an atmosphere today and you could hear the support right through the match. Um, and I think that was, um, you know, beneficial for the team, beneficial for the players, certainly beneficial for, for those of us watching at home. Um, it, it's great not to be able to hear the shouts from the players again. You know, it's, it just kind of felt for me like another step along the road to, to some sort of normality again. Um, and having, you know, certainly having both sets of fans in the ground today, I, I think was, it certainly improved the atmosphere. Um, and I, I feel it probably did. Ross, I think it probably did lift the players. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I think our travelling support is spectacular, and you're right. It is a, it's a different feeling to the Ibrook support, which is strange because it's, it's the same folk, you know, it's the same guys. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, that that return to normality of feeling everything's back to normal. Rangers are supported by a loud, passionate, vocal 
supporting uh, traveling support doing the business on the park it was yeah it was it was really wonderful to see gary the return of fans uh, means that we've had our first experience of the myjares ticketing allocations and uh, suffice it to say it's not gone down universally well um now, without getting kind of into the ins and outs of MyJares tiers and points and how tickets are allocated, I, I guess the overriding question is: we have so many thousands of fans who want to uh, to, to watch Rangers, whether it's at home or away, and we could have filled that stadium a hundred times over today. Is there a an easy, fair, happy for everyone way to to decide how these tickets get allocated because there's always someone who's going to be disadvantaged, right? Whether it's the the older chap who isn't so good with technology and can't log on and do first come first serve because he'll never be first, or it's the larger Rangers supporters club that now have to decide which ten percent of their members go and should we organise a bus for that or should we not? Is there is there a solution that suits everyone here? I don't think there is. I think we're a fan base our size, as you say, you can't please everybody. But I, thankfully, I don't. I, well, I don't seem thankful. I don't have a season ticket anymore. I'm not involved in my jars. But for an outsider looking in, to me, it's like the more money you've got, the better chance you've got to buying a ticket. And it sh- shouldn't be that way. It should. It should try and be a bit fairer. I think. Yeah, John. How about yourself? Is there a? Is there an easy solution to all of this? Ross, I'm very conscious that our erstwhile colleague Colin um, has 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 publicly stated sometimes criticism, and um, and I can't help but feel that perhaps minor management and Rangers watch this program and have picked up on that criticism, and that's why his Rangers TV feeds never work, <laughs> and that's why when he turns up with his smart card to get into the game, he doesn't get in. So can I just say, for the record, I think it's a brilliant system. I am very, very impressed with everybody at Rangers TV and at MyJares and everybody involved with the ticketing. And just keep up the good work, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, be serious. I can remember, I'm old enough to remember when you used to have to go at 8 o'clock in the morning and queue outside the ticket office to try and get a ticket for, for home games, for cup finals, for for uh, games like that. People moaned then, you know, because you, you didn't get there early enough, you didn't get a ticket. Um, as Gary says, this is this is a, a perennial issue. Um, in this day and age, it is surprising to me that the club. I mean, the club can the club can tell. You know, if you've bought if you've bought tickets for every single away game and paid for them, then I think you should be first in the queue for for tickets for cup finals. I think you should be first in the, t- in the queue for ticket for, for semi-finals. For the games that are hard to get tickets for, I think you should be first in the queue. Um, I understand why they brought in MyJers because it, it obviously works two ways. It, it potentially brings in extra revenue from people who are who are buying merchandise and, and, and that side of things. Um, and it, it maybe helps them Look, because you've probably got quite a lot of people who go to or who buy every away ticket. Um, and, you know, it still allows, you know, games that have been just held to game, but there's maybe only going to be 800 tickets available. You know, you take away players' tickets and, and, and things like that. There's probably only 500 tickets available. And you've got, you know, as many season ticket holders as us. That, that's a huge problem. Um, I, I think all they can do is, is the guys who go, or at least the guys who buy tickets for every game, I think they go at the top of the queue. And when there's too many of them, you just have to figure out some way of, of um, saying, well, you didn't get one this time, you, you'll be at the top of the queue the next time. Um, I think it's the best you can do. It's a thankless job. I wouldn't like to be um, the person that has to make these decisions. Um, a long, long time ago, when there was human beings in the ticket office who you could go and see, um, my dad and I we used to bring them in a massive big box of chocolates every Christmas. And just, you know, listen, thanks for your help, guys. It's been great, you know, and... It's amazing how they remembered your face come February yeah. and then trying to get an extra ticket for Dundee United away. But, you know, electronics has changed all that. So um, the, the human touch is no longer there. It's a thankless job, Ross. I feel sorry for them. Um, anything that rewards the loyalty, you know, and I say that now as somebody who rarely goes to away games. Um, you know, if there are guys paying to go to these games, then 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 I, I think they have to get first crack. My only my only thing with Rangers just now regarding ticketing, and again, I don't have a solution to this, is it's actually very hard to bring a new person to, to Ibrox now. 
You know, because we've got so many season ticket holders, because it's so it's actually difficult to introduce somebody to, to Rangers games, um, to bring someone along to their first game, or or you know maybe someone who's 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 um, you know who's an interest in football hasn't maybe chosen their team just yet, or somebody who's new to the city, to, to actually get them along to games now is is very difficult. Um, Again, I don't have a solution for that. Um, you know, it would be nice if there was a way of, of making the ground bigger um, that isn't going to bankrupt us. But, uh, you know, that, again, is probably my only kind of gripe just now. Um, my jers, I suspect it probably won't exist in 18 months um, and we'll have gone with something else. It was worth a try. It's probably worth for some people. It, you're always going to have folk who are unhappy. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point. Whatever Whatever the system is, whether it's yeah, fastest thinker first, or it's reward points and tiers and loyalty and this and that, you're always going to have someone who's unhappy. I think you make a really interesting point, though, about how difficult it is to bring a new person to Ibrooks and, and availability. And um, I, uh, in two months, I'm turning 30. And I, uh, it's a couple of days after we play Hearts at home. And I want to bring four or five mates from down in London up to Glasgow. We'll have a weekend That'll be a you know my big thirtieth bash as we come up and and I have no idea how I'm going to find five tickets. I mean, not even remotely close to each other. So sort of saying, right, you're in you're in the Govan rear, you're in the Brimland front, and we'll all just have to congregate afterwards because um, I think that that's the only the only chance that we get is maybe sort of showing up on the on the day of the game and looking at someone who's stood outside Ibrox subway station with a, a ticket in the air, but. Um, I guess that's part of the experience. John, I'll, I'll give you the last word on, on the Ross County game before we, before we move on. And I apologise because we've not planned this question. I'm just going to spring it on you. How satisfying is it to pump Malky Mackay? <laughs> in, in a footballing context, by the way, not in any kind of sort of <laughs> Malky Mackay context. Speaking, speaking as Mrs Mackay, um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> He didn't pick up that tan in Dingwall, did he? No. Um, he's the only guy in the Highlands that looks like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd actually forgotten that he was the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only on Friday when I was um, I, I was kind of reading about the game. I was like, Jesus, he's the I thought it was still John Hughes. I'd forgotten he'd gone there. Mm-hmm. He's a funny guy, Mackay, because he had a decent, you know, decent start to his managerial career. He, he, he did look like there was he, he maybe had something down in England and. Obviously, it all went wrong for him, and, and he brought all that in himself. Fairly controversial appointment at the SFA, mm-hmm. um, and now he's at Ross County. Ross County is a hard gig. Um, I know, speaking to some people who have been involved in football up there, that you know they have they have difficulty attracting players. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your St Mirrens, your um, your your teams based in the kind of central belt um, are usually able to attract players. Um, to, to you know to play for them because they don't have to move house, you know they don't have to uproot their family. They can you know they can remain based in it. You can you can live in Edinburgh and play for St. Mirren. You, know, you can travel through for training. You know you can play for Kilmarnock and, and live in Fife. You know I think you can't play for Ross County and live there. You you want to play for Ross County, you're going to have to move north. Um, so so they have some challenges there. I do have some sympathy for them as a team. You know, if Mackay is out of work by Christmas, I'll, I won't shed any tears. Um, I, I, you know, I still have a memory of, of Malcolm Mackay and, and Brian Loudrop, um, which you two are probably far too young to have seen in, in, in flesh, but you may have seen it on um, on, on video since where, where Brian Loudrop just, just leaves him, just leaves him for dead. Um, he was a very limited football player. Um, and uh, I, I have a feeling he's reached his, his shelf life as a manager as well. Uh, I don't think he's going to be successful there. No, I think you're absolutely right. Okay, we will move on then from the, the Ross County game. Very successful day for us up in Dingwall this afternoon. Um, before we move on to, to look at Alishkare and, and have a little run over the, the state of the squad, um, I just wanted to, to bring an update on one of the partners that we have here at Jersnet, uh, which is footballprizes.co.uk, who at the moment are running... Um, uh, a raffle or a, a prize draw for an Alfredo Morelos signed and custom framed Rangers shirt. Uh, as always, there's a maximum of 99 tickets that are available in the competition. There will be a live draw uh, this coming Tuesday. That's the 24th of August at 8.30pm. It's £5.95 per ticket. As I say, there's only 99 tickets being sold. Uh, so the tickets are very, very limited. So please do get moving. Uh, as I say, check out the website at footballprizes.co.uk or also have a look on the Jazznet Twitter feed for the direct link. Gary, before we look ahead to Alice Kerr on Thursday, though, and, and Jersnet podcast will do a, a preview show, I'm sure, to, to look ahead to that one. Um, 
it's worth having a wee look at the, the state of the squads as the transfer window edges towards closure. Uh, and you mentioned Juninho Bakuna um, uh, whilst we were talking about Ross County there. So he's it's been formally announced. He's, he's joined on a, on a two-year deal. Um, it was another one of those where we kept it very, very quiet up until the, the day before it was announced when Gerard kind of acknowledged in a press conference, yeah, we're, we're probably going to announce a signing tomorrow. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's a, a good thing that Rangers are going about their business that way. Um, so he comes in, he's a, a fairly versatile, allegedly quite dynamic midfielder, uh, lots of Premier League experience, comes in at a good age. Um, is this a, a good bit of business for you? Uh, all I've seen it from is a YouTube video, the ready YouTube video, but uh, it looks very, very good from, from what I've seen. Uh, probably exactly what we're looking for. Somebody that plays in the final third. Uh, I think a lot of players that we sign, more like Lundstrom and that, very similar to what we already have. But I think this guy could kind of compete with Aribo and Hadji further up the park. Uh, I just, he's not for a glamorous team, that's the only thing. So you wonder, why was he playing with Huddersfield? But the, the thing that we do now is we bring in the, the raw players, the diamonds, and try and shape them a bit, as we've done with Aribo, getting guys like that, Bassey, brought them for the lower leagues, so I'm hoping they can do it with him, but certainly if you look at his YouTube video, it looks very, very exciting. Is there an argument to suggest, though, that, that central midfield is perhaps not the area that we needed reinforcements, and you look at, I mean, maybe not playing the same role, but Glenn Kamara, Joe Aribo, Ryan Jack, John Lundstrom, Scotty Arfield, um, Steve Davis, arguably, you know, Stephen Kelly. Um, was it necessary, do you think, to, to add another? Do you think he possibly brings something that we that we don't currently have? Or was it more about adding competition and depth? Yeah, I think it's maybe a bit of both, to be honest. Uh, see, really, I, I think your three strongest midfielders, as it stands now, are last season's players. And that's what kind of worries me a bit with Lundstrom anyway understand he's just in the door but at the minute if you picked your strongest team it's Ryan Jack Kamara Davis probably um, I think Aribo should play further up the park um, same with Hadji so I'd like to see somebody come in and improve the team and I just hope that these guys that they've, they've brought in are and they're not just squad players or to give us a bit more depth uh, and there have been a lot of rumours Gary about Joey Veerman coming in this summer. Do you think that this maybe puts that to bed, that either we were focused on the wrong target or we were priced out for Joey Veerman and, and this guy cynically maybe was was number two? Yeah, quite possibly. If it's true that it was £7 million, um, I, I think being put in the Champions League's hit a lot of things in the head, which is understandable. We've got to balance the books. Don't want us spending money we've not got. Um, so it, quite possible as it's just we went to the second and the last we went to a, a Europa League player instead of a Champions League player John I think the, the, the question of the Champions League and, and the knock-on effect that that has I think is a really good point um, I would have expected in all honesty us to have moved someone on by now um, you know it's, it's been over a week since we were put out of the Champions League and, and I'm sure that that does have a financial knock-on implication are you surprised that we don't seem to be, and we'll, we'll talk about Patterson in a moment, but we don't seem to be getting large bids for the, the marquee players. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> it's a good thing if you're a supporter. I suspect it's a bad thing if you're a director. <laughs> um, well, I think I think you have to be honest and say we don't know if there have been bids. Or at least I don't know if there have been bids. You know, I, I suspect there has been. I mean, Certainly there was talk a few weeks ago about Porto and Morelos. I don't know if a formal bid was made. I don't know if an inquiry was made, if it was all just agent talk, media talk. I don't know. Um, it would surprise me if we haven't had some level of inquiry for some of our more obvious players. Um, I suspect the level of inquiry has not been to our, our, our you know, matching our... Um, valuations of our players, Ross. Um, again, I could be wrong. I don't have any. I'd love to tell you I've got a, a, a mole on the inside telling me this. I don't. I'm just guessing. But I suspect there has been interest, and I suspect there may well still be interest before the end of the month. Um, I I think we've probably 
said to the players, look, champ, potential Champions League football, you know, stay, stay just now. Let's see if we can qualify. Obviously, that's not happened. We need to qualify for the Europa League. You know, it would be it would be really disappointing if we ended up in the in the Euro- European Conference League. Um, so, you know, qualification on on Thursday is essential. So, again, I would be quite disappointed if if there was any business done between now and then. But after that, you know, again, it wouldn't come. Certainly, Kamara leaving wouldn't come as a big surprise with with what's left in his contract. Um, it's it's down to you know what kind of valuation people are willing to put on it. I was um, it's been a funny summer, Ross, for transfers. You've had you know a couple of eye-watering transfers at the down in England. You've had the San 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 Sanchez Sancho 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 to Man United and, and Grealish to Man City, which have just been you know for mind-boggling amounts of money. But you go down a few levels, and actually, it's it's not a lot of movement there, and and. You know, let's be honest, it's down a few levels where the teams are that are likely to come look for our players. You know, teams like West Ham um, have not strengthened their side at all so far this season. Um, and I think that's the kind of club that's likely to come in for a Morelos or a Kamara or a Kent. You know, I think it's clubs in, in you know, the kind of mid to lower levels of the Premier League or, you know, a team in France or, or, or you know, that those maybe a team in Portugal. Those are the kind of leagues that are going to come and take our players just now. I don't think Man City are, are looking seriously at any of our players. I don't think Barcelona are looking at any of our players. In fact, the way Barcelona's finances are, we're probably more likely to take one of their players than the other way around just now. But does it worry me? No. I mean, I'd quite like it if Morelos and Kamara didn't leave. I think it would be, I, you know, as I said, I don't have to meet with the bank manager um, about it. But I, I, as a fan, I would rather they stayed. I think there has been interest. I think there will continue to be interest because they are very, very good players. It's just whether that interest is, um, you know, and there's a game, of, there'll be a game of, you know, there's a game of, you know, who blinks first coming up, isn't there? Um, and, and you know, we we might be forced to 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 take a, an offer for a player that we'd maybe rather not have taken. You know, it might not be the the offer we were hoping for, but we might have no choice but to take it. And I think as supporters, we'd probably have to be realistic about that. Um, but until it happens, the, the club have been very good or very bad, whichever way you look at it. But they've been very good at keeping things quiet. You know, like you, you talked about this Jorginho Bakuna. Uh, you know, I, I was. You know, I had heard nothing spoken about him before he signed. Um, the the chap um, Jordan, I can't remember his full name, who writes for the Athletic, uh, had reported that we'd signed the young Colombian from Honka. Honka, yes, in, in yes. Juan Alegria, yeah. Um, so he had he had reported that we'd signed him, but I've not seen or heard anything official on that. So I'm assuming he either got that wrong or else. He got it right, but it hasn't been been made public yet. That it's still maybe just not quite been been finalised. And again, these things may all be down to players leaving. And um, I suspect there's a there's a few things going on in the background that will become apparent in the next twenty next ten days or so. Yeah, what I will say to that is that, uh, and it's Jordan Campbell at the Athletic. Jordan, Sorry, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're listening, Jordan, John would remember your name if you were the guy who dealt out the tickets. For Ibrox, but you have no power there. So, Jordan, not only would I remember your name, but you would have had chocolates from me at Christmas. I know. Start pulling your weight, Jordan. Um, No, I think it's. I think it's a fair point. The thing that worries me there, John, is that the number and and Gerard said it after after the game today. I think. um, I think it was some some fan media were asking questions or had press access to Gerard after the game and spoke about Nathan Patterson. Again, we'll come on to that in a second and. And Gerard talks about all of the players have a number. They all have a value. And, and whilst it's not Gerard who assigns that number or, or, or says yes or no, what worries me is that that number, you know, the number is X. It was X plus two or it was X plus three or four, but then the Champions League X, it happens. And so now it's at X. And then I don't know the state. None of us know the state of our finances because we're, we're not on the boards or Celtic fans. And so we we don't know how much money's in the bank. And, and what worries me is if it's not a lot of money in the bank, then X might become X minus one or X minus two by the time we get to deadline day. And then there's no time to replace. And that, that, that's the bit that, that makes me nervous. Conversely, if you're a, a buying club and you want to sign Morelos or you want to sign Kamara and you have made these inquiries and we said no because you're offering us X minus four, 
then it gets the deadline day and they still need a player, ideally the, the, the number rises. But um, that probably shows how out of touch I am with how football business actually works because none of us have any ideas. The no, if you've watched the those kind of Amazon documentaries, um, Sunderland and, and even mm-hmm. the Spurs one and things, you, you do realise that you know some of it is well-planned and some of it just seems to be absolutely haphazard just crazy stuff with with agents pulling strokes and guys using clubs to get better deals at a different club and you know and and that clearly is just part of of the part of football and part of football that we don't see um, that we are not exposed to and, and we just assume that you know a, a director of football phones a director of football at another club and says I'm interested next I'll offer you this for him and there's a bit of haggling and then everybody shakes hands and that's clearly not what happens that's not yeah, that's not the reality of, of, of professional football at that level um, yeah look I'm pleased we're not selling our players just now oh, and I'm certainly pleased we're not selling them you know, undervaluing them. But you're right. At some point, someone will make us an offer which we will need to accept. And, you know, you just have to have trust in the players that are there and the management and the, and the team. You know, there are players just now who are not getting a game. And um, and perhaps if a player moves on, that's the chance for somebody to, to step up and show that they should have been getting a game. And that's, that's all part of it. You know, brilliant players have left Rangers over the years. You know, players that I shed tears over leaving. Um, there's no one in the team just now that I feel that strongly about. There are a few I'd be sad to see, but, you know, they're all replaceable. Yeah. Well, speaking, Gary, of players that step up and players that we might be sad to see leave, Nathan Patterson, uh, according to the Mirror, I think it was this morning, was was subject of a £5 million bid from Everton that Rangers have uh, apparently rejected. Um, again, after the game today, Gerard seemed to not really know anything about this. He said, oh, I, I only just got told and I didn't know it was five million and I'll ask the question when I get back on the bus, which I don't imagine is entirely true. But um, five million pounds for for Nathan Patterson, is that anywhere close to the right number for you? Um, no, just for his potential. But at the same time, I think a lot of Rangers fans, maybe including myself, rate a lot of our players higher than what they maybe are. Like we don't have a good history selling players for big money. I think off the top of my head was maybe Alan Hutton the last player we sold for there wasn't even ten million, I don't think it was nine million. You'll you look at Kieran Tierney who played maybe three t- uh, three seasons for Celtic before he made his big money move. But they've had history before that is selling players for big money. We've not got that. So I don't think we're going to jump for basically nothing to say 20 million for a, a top player uh, coming back to Patterson I think the problem could be that if we've got a really good player who I think Patterson is we're going to lose him to the big teams probably after just a couple of games and we just need to deal with that because it's the way the football world is or like a Billy Gilmore they will not even get to see the first team and they'll be away so we probably need to be realistic that if players are that good, they won't be here for long. Yeah, and I suppose it's, it's encouraging that a team like Everton would, would want to come in for one of our players. But uh, Gary, you mentioned Celtic have a history of selling players for big money and we don't. I mean, this would be, obviously he's not going for £5 million, but if he were to leave for £5 million, that's less than half of what Celtic allegedly got for Jeremy Fringbomb, which when you, as you talk about potential, that's, that's, that's clearly not quite right. Um, Celtic again allegedly get £13 million for Chris Iyer in the last year of his contract after having been sort of resoundingly embarrassed for 12 months by, by this Rangers team how does that happen how does a club become good at selling players like that is it is it all about media narrative is it something else how uh, how is it that, that Rangers you're right Rick, I think I think Alan Hudson still is our record sale at 8 or £9 million What's going and on? Probably before that, it was Boom Song as well, which is probably about yeah. four, four years before that. It's just it's something we've just never done. Obviously, changed days, but it's famously Martin Bain just paid everybody off. They didn't sell players. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose there's got to be a time where we'll be in a position where we can actually reject a, a bid for a player. But as John was saying, we don't know the ins and outs of your finances. So... Plus COVID, you don't know how COVID is going to really impact us till this year. 
Um, so if it could be a case of if 16 million came in for a, a Morelos or even 10 million came in for Patterson, Rangers could maybe be in a position to reject that. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. Can they, because of the Champions League there, we might need to. And we might need to accept a player, uh, a bid for a, a player which we don't really think he's worth, but we need the money. Yeah. John, how about yeah, can I just come in on that? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I think we've all looked at this, and I, mean, I saw the, the clip with Gerard earlier where Gerard literally laughs. At five, you know, five million pounds for a player that's played, what, 12 games? Mm-hmm. For us, you know, it's actually, you know, it's actually exceptional money for a guy who cost us nothing. Now, I don't think we'll sell Parson for, for £5 million. Um, and I think we'd all be disappointed if we did. But at the same time, it's a lot of money for a guy who isn't even on our first team just now. Um, and the pressure there on is that Parson suddenly says, you know what, I'm not actually getting a game here. So... Maybe, maybe I move on. You know, maybe I would like to know what another team is going to. Um, maybe they'll give me a game. So, so there's definitely some some challenges there with Patterson. Um, the Celtic thing, I think, if we can all be honest with each other on the Celtic thing, you, the word allegedly in your in your thing was doing a lot of heavy lifting there, and I think that's probably fair. But what you have to say about Celtic, certainly prior to the last couple of seasons, is that. One of the reasons they were getting good money, one of the reasons they're still getting you know decent money for players, is that their players have tended to go on and do well in bigger leagues. Um, the the guy Van Dyke, obviously, is the the kind of standout one there who you know who's who's moved on from Celtic and you know gone on to show himself to be one of the best centre halves in the world. Um, you know, much as it pains me to say, you know, Kieran Tierney isn't a bad player. Um, uh, you know, I, I I did my best to ignore him when he was playing in, in this city, but you know you can't help but notice. You know, Arsenal. He, he's you know he's one of the better players in that league now in that position. Um, the they had the boy I forget his name, the the Kenyan international who went to um, Southampton and I think they ended up at Spurs. Um, oh, yeah. also, you know, so so they have a they've actually got a reasonable record of. Um, selling on players at the right age to a bigger league that and, it, and it's actually going quite well for them and that's why their players attract better better fees because there is an understanding in football that actually maybe these are players who, who can then move on to the next level Gary's right we haven't done that for a while you know um, the last player you know Billy Gilmore apart the last player from our club who was actually sought after was Lewis McLeod um, you know, and Lewis McLeod was very unfortunate with injury. I actually think Lewis McLeod, you know, could have gone on and had a very, very good career, but for the fact that he was he, he picked up some very bad injuries. But that's the reality. We are starting at a different level. This is part of, I think, this is part of the kind of hangover of our, our difficult period, where we, you know, our, our club was in disarray, um, and we weren't buying well, and we weren't buying clever players. We weren't buying at the right time. That's changed. Now we're picking up the Aribos and we're picking up the Morellas and we're picking up um, players that we can improve. I think the term Gary used was, you know, was, was players that we can kind of polish into diamonds. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to take a couple of seasons for clubs to, to realise that and, and come and take them and you see how these players go on. Yeah, I think, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we have the, the, the two players that, that Gary referenced there, Alan Hutton and John Alan Boomsong went on and had spectacular careers you know looking at the stats here Alan Hutton 51 games at Tottenham 185 games in the Premier League at Aston Villa John Alan Boomsong went to, to Newcastle to Juventus to Leon. good careers but I, I you know I think you're right the Virgil van Dijk's the, the Kieran Tierney's who are the superstars of their team in in the most glamorous and uh, the most broad, broadcast league in the world is um, I would also say that there's a role to be played by the media and I think Celtic's media relations and PR over the last decade was so strong. Um, uh, I, I, and to a degree, you can see that kicking in with this, uh, with um, Furuhashi, the, the new lad that they have up front, who the Daily Record spoke of as a potential £30 million player. Right? He's played three games, £30 million. And you go, there is a, and, and this isn't me claiming media bias, this is me saying uh, very, very well-oiled PR machine that, that, that talks those players up and convinces people that they must be worth that much money. 
probably doesn't help that we've now locked out the media unless they're willing to pay 25 grand a year. But that is uh, a discussion maybe for, for, for another day. Gary, on Thursday, we travel five and a half hours to Armenia. Um, I said on the previous show that we did earlier in the week that this would have been probably my ideal European away trip. Former Soviet bloc, middle of nowhere, very cheap pints, would have been spectacular. Did you see anything? Obviously, we, we, we win the home leg 1-0, go down to 10 men in the first half, come out, very strong second half performance, I thought. Um, we, we'd hoped maybe for more of a cushion so we can rest players ahead of the old firm. We haven't got that cushion. We've got one goal lead that, that we take out to Armenia. But did you see anything in that first leg to concern you that that this second leg could, could give us some trouble? I'd say most of the stuff I was concerned with came for ourselves, certainly not for, for that team. As I say, I think we've always got a kind of mistake in us. So the one goal isn't going to do us. I don't think, I think we need to go over there and score. And it doesn't help that we've not got that away goal anymore. Uh, I'd certainly the, the 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 best thing is that we seem to play better when we went down to ten men. We're all to roll up our sleeves, and to me that's a good sign. Yeah, I think you're right. How would you approach this game? As you say, we a one goal lead's not going to be enough. So I, I would agree. We probably need to to, to, to go and score, um, but a long way to travel. Apparently, it can reach up to sort of forty degrees at, over there at the moment. Um, how do you approach a tie like this? Just go to win. I'd play my strongest team or the team that's, that he believes is our strongest team at the moment and then get the result. Hypothetically, if we went 2 3 up, then take players off and worry about Celtic. But I'd say we need to win win this game first and then worry, worry about Celtic after that. Yeah. And and what impact, Gary, do you think that the return of Glenn Kamara to, to European football could have? I think he's massive. I, I think he's. Uh, probably our best player uh, in the field team and I, I know I said earlier well, uh, John was saying earlier about Morelos us building our team around him which I totally agree with but uh, Glenn Kamara I, I just think he's class I, I think he's the one player that could go into a, an English top five team and, and, and be a standout I think in the Euros uh, playing for Finland he never had a bad game it was absolutely awesome and I'm, I'm very surprised that teams never came in for him I'm happy very happy but uh, him being in that team to me makes us better yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And like I said earlier, it's a real shame that he was uh, unavailable for, for the Malmo games. Certainly for the reasons he was suspended, it was absolutely shocking. Like a, a disgrace. John, kind of the real devil's advocate question, and, and every time we ask a question like this on the show, the, the answer is always you play your strongest team, you, you play the team that's going to beat the challenge in front of you and you don't worry about the game after that. However, the game after this coming tie on Thursday is the first old firm of the season. Celtic have started, uh, maybe not started the season well, but the, their form in the last th- three weeks or so has has been strong. Um, they put six goals past St Mirren yesterday, admittedly St Mirren down to, to 10 men very early on. Um, yes, we play our strongest side. Yes, we pick the team that wins this challenge and then we worry about Celtic after after Armenia. But surely the management team have have one eye on next Sunday. How do you think that that affects the preparation and the selection for Thursday's game? I don't think it makes the slightest difference to the selection. You know, I, I think uh, I'm going to give the boring answer and say yes. You pick, you, we pick our strongest team. This the Thursday's game is more important than Sunday's, and I, I say that because you know qualifying for the Europa League at this stage I think is is vital. Um, the league it's it's only the only be the fourth fourth match in the league you know the league's a marathon it's not a sprint you know and we can you know if we if the worst if you know if we lose next Sunday the league's not over it gives them a shot in the arm the media will go wild um, but the league is not over last season and this I think is important because I think I'll, there's, a, there's a generation of Rangers fans who've basically grown up and never seen us win the league until last season it's the first time they ever saw us win the league or remember seeing us win the league that's not last season wasn't normal you know you don't normally win the league in march that's not how it usually works normally you know there's at least two teams and it's usually us and it's usually them and we're competing right to the very end you know and i've you know and we we all if we weren't actually there and don't remember them we certainly read about them game you know leagues that went right to the very end like literally the last game of the season um and that's normal in our league. Last season wasn't normal. Okay, that's not normal, right? Celtic are going to put up a challenge this season, and 
you know, we need to accept that. I don't think Celtic have become world beaters overnight. They've got a new manager in, he's managed to give them a bit of confidence. He's managed to give them a bit of belief. He's got the good players playing, right? They still have a defence made of wet cardboard. And, you know, you know, let's not pretend otherwise. You know, they are they are not they haven't turned into world beaters overnight. They've become a better team and they'll give us a bit a harder game. And, you know, whatever the result of that game is, it won't define the season, it won't change the season. Winning or or losing on Thursday night will have a far, far bigger impact on our season, both financially and also for prestige. You know, I mean the Europa League has been a, a tournament we've all enjoyed. Um, and I think any manager going into that with one eye, I, you know, the, the management team are looking, you know, they're looking at players, who's going to be ready in three weeks' time, who's going to be ready in two weeks' time. I get all that. But the management team's focus as of five o'clock today is Thursday and Thursday only. And then, you know, there's no point in making plans for Sunday because who knows what will happen on Thursday? You know, who's going to pick up a knock? You know, who's, you know, there's clearly issues in the squad just now. You know, that the bench looked a little bare today, I thought. Um, you know, there's clearly issues in the squad. You know, McLaughlin wasn't even on the bench. You know, what's happened to him? Um, you know, there's, there's, there's obviously stuff going on that, that the club are keeping to themselves. Um, and I'm sure they're doing that for very, very good reasons. Sunday will take care of itself. It's at home. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm a little frustrated that, Rangers supporters are, are getting a bit nervous about this. You know what? This is reality. Reality is Celtic are a hard team to beat. They, you know, Celtic will always have a good team. Celtic will always give us a game. And sometimes they'll they'll come out on top. Um, but over the piece, we come out on top more often than that because we have to win with the right mentality. And the right mentality is win Thursday and Sunday then will take care of itself. Does any of that get tempered by the... The, the fact that they'll be playing, as I say, forty degree heat, up to eleven hours worth of worth of travelling, does that impact on this at all, or, or is it? It very impacts much? in terms of it impacts in terms of the preparation for Thursday's game. You know, in the end, you know, five hour flight. Um, you know, I, I looked at the weather. I knew you were. We obviously had the, the the agenda, so I knew you were going to ask the weather forecast for Thursday currently. Um, in um, Yerevan, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, is for a high of 30. Um, so I suspect by whatever, 8 o'clock in the evening or whatever time the game's kicking off, local time, 6 o'clock or whatever, it's going to be you know high 20s. So it, it, that's not going to be a huge amount of fun to play in. Um, it certainly should give them something of an advantage, I suspect. The fact that it's at home will give them an advantage, but they've not got a big support. They're not, they're not a particularly well-liked team, from what I can gather. They're, they're a kind of funny team. Um, they're a bit of Livingston about them, with a bit of money behind them, and, and but not many fans. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, it will make a difference. And there will be players who will be, you know, put, I don't know if our flight, you know, takes off, you know, at 11 o'clock local time after the match and, and head straight home. We'll have players who will be tired. You know, we will have players going into Sunday's game that it won't be the best preparation but losing on Thursday will be even worse preparation for Sunday you know so what's important is those players go into that game with a spring on their step and and you know Celtic have got a game midweek and that's no gimme either um, yes it's a considerably shorter flight yes it's not going to be in 30 degree heat but you know they, a lot can happen in football in a week um, let's see if, you know we have a big enough squad we should be able to put a team out on, on Sunday um, and a team out on Thursday that can win both those games because they're both winnable games. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And that, that's such a good point that losing the game on Thursday, being knocked into the Europa Conference League, that is worse preparation. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think I think as a fan base, probably take the emotion, it's impossible to take the emotion out of an old firm tie, um, particularly the first old firm tie with fans back in the stands. Uh, and uh, obviously quite interesting because no Celtic fans will be present as well which is, uh, kind of adds another dimension to, to it but um, I, I think we would all kind of agree with that the arithmetic of that that in terms of finances in terms of the rest of the season that, that, that Thursday's game is more important Sunday's game is more emotional and yeah uh, but, but that's that's the management's job isn't it is to, 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 to do the maths on that and realise that we do not compromise on Thursday for the sake of the emotion of the following game. 
Right. I think that that takes us very, very nicely to the, the top of the hour. And so it's probably a good place for us to end it there. As I say, there will be preview shows looking ahead to the Alice Kirk game on, on Thursdays. We'll probably do that Wednesday night and uh, a preview ahead of the first old firm of the season. So please do make sure you join us for, for those. And if you can't join us live, they will, of course, be available for download as well. I'd like to say a massive thank you to John and, and to, uh, to Gary as well, who's, uh, as I say, joined us for the very first time. And uh, I'm sure he will be warmly invited back. Um, a massive thank you as well to everyone who's joined in with the questions and the comments on the YouTube stream. Uh, and as I say, the, the show will always be available for download uh, on a Monday morning. The show will be back uh, after all the previews. We will be back next Sunday. Colin will be in the hot seat and myself as a guest. Uh, looking back at the Alice Care game, looking back at the Celtic game. So please do join us for that. That's next Sunday, the 29th of August uh, at 9.30pm. Please do head over to the website in the meantime at chairsnet.co.uk and get involved in the very friendly discussion forum. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and have a great week.